Welcome to Sound Practice, the business podcast for physicians and healthcare leaders, hosted by Mike Sakopoulos and produced by the American Association for Physician Leadership. All medical education involves the study of anatomy. If you think the field of anatomy has not changed since your days in med school, think again. The American Association of Anatomy and its members have been busy with a range of issues. The association has been wrestling with some unpleasant behavior of historical figures in the field's past. In this episode of Sound Practice, we will be joined by the president of the American Association of Anatomy. Be prepared to be surprised. Let's begin. My guest today is Valerie Burke de Leon. She is a professor in the Department of Anthropology at the University of Florida, and she is also president of the American Association for Anatomy. Valerie, welcome to Sound Practice. Mike, thank you very much. I'm very happy to be here. I have been looking forward to this interview for, for quite some time. For our audience, can you tell us about the American Association for Anatomy? Why, yes, I can. Um, the American Association for Anatomy is a very old organization. We are a group of um, anatomists, but anatomists writ broadly. Um, we uh, include people who are anatomy educators, so the people who taught you gross anatomy, the um, people who lead your histology lectures, any aspect of anatomy those educators may be part of our community. But an additional large component of our membership are people who do research related to the science of anatomy. So this includes comparative anatomists. So we've got veterinary anatomists, people who study horses and dogs. We've got um, people who study histology. We've got people who study pathology, all kinds of different areas. But if it involves anatomic structure, um, and in particular, if somebody has an education component to their jobs, then they're likely to be a member of our association. And give me a sense, roughly, how many members do you have? And are they just in the United States? Well, we've got about 2,000 members, a little bit over, I think. And um, our members are primarily in the United States, but we have members from dozens of countries, actually, quite a few from Canada, um, quite a few from Europe, Asia, Australia, New Zealand. So we actually are an international community. Very nice. Now, you have a, a long history <laughs> um, going back more than a, a hundred years. I was I was surprised by that. What was the, the culture of anatomy a hundred years ago? Well, significantly different than it is now. I think, um, you know, the uh, American Association for Anatomy well, in its original configuration was founded in 1888. And um, there was a tradition of anatomy scholars that was kind of a, the, the European tradition of, you know, great German anatomists. And then that spread to the United States. And so the early American anatomists were professors at, primarily at medical schools and um, conducting their research, I would say primarily in human dissection, although there was a great interest in broader comparative anatomy at the time. 
So um, yeah, we've been an association for what is that? A hundred over 130 years. Um, very, very impressive. And you have and you have a journal that's been around for quite some time too, correct? That's true. Um, the American Association for Anatomy, we actually own three different journals. Those are the anatomical record, um, which deals primarily in structural anatomical research. But then we also have developmental dynamics that's looking at um, anatomy in terms of biological and developmental molecular process, molecular and cellular processes. And then we also have anatomical sciences education. And this is a journal focused on an um, educational scholarship in the area of anatomy and related disciplines. But you asked about the, um, the length of time that the anatomical record has been around. And that journal has been in publication for also over 100 years um, and is really our flagship journal. And how frequently is it published? Every month. Very nice. Now, there was, there was a recent special issue of the anatomical uh, record. Can you tell me the motivation behind that? Absolutely. So um, just recently, we published a special issue on the changing face of anatomy, and it was a combined retrospective and prospective look at how participation in the field of anatomy has changed through time, where it was previously through our long, long history. And, um, and then what anatomy as a field is today, and specifically our organization, the American Association for Anatomy. And um, so this special issue, the changing face of anatomy is the product of years of effort. And that effort to a large extent um, was driven by Jason Organ and Jeff Leitman. So Dr. Heather Smith is the editor-in-chief of the anatomical record. This was the oldest journal in our portfolio. And Dr. Jeff Leitman is a, a special issue editor, and he supported efforts by Drs. Jason Organ and Amber Comer to develop this special issue. And they had been working to develop research symposia to address these issues of historical racism in our association. And it was only through the support of Dr. Smith and Dr. Leitman that uh, Dr. Organ and Dr. Comer were able to come through with this special issue. And it's really an outstanding combination of both historical perspectives on the history of anatomy, but also recommendations for future actions in our field. And can you give me some specific examples of how things have changed over time? Well, yeah. I think um, this is really the story of, of biology broadly and, and the practice of medicine. If you think about medical research more broadly, I think some of the things that have really changed in the past hundred years is the maybe more humanistic view of our patients, our research subjects, and in the area of anatomy education, the, the bodies of the 
currently donors that we study when we're um, learning and teaching about anatomy. So um, I guess I would suggest thinking back to the picture in your mind of what an old school anatomist would be. And I think a lot of people today think about anatomists this way. It's going to be probably a white man of European descent um, of a certain age with a white lab coat and standing in a dissection theater and, you know, working on a dissection and proclaiming or, or explaining the anatomy, telling the students about what anatomy is. And anatomy as a discipline has changed really drastically away from that stereotype in the last hundred years. There's a growing appreciation for um, the diversity of all humans that, we, that we're interested in studying the anatomy of, but then also understanding how different animals can give us information about anatomical processes. So our scope of study has expanded, but in addition, the people who are the experts in our field that range of people has expanded dramatically too. So, you know, we are, um, we are growing a much more diverse and inclusive community. And then it's not just for our members and the people who are teaching anatomy. Um, it's also in the people that we include in our representations of anatomy that we share when we're teaching, that we share in our research. Um, we're working hard to make sure that um, inclusion is, um, plays a greater role. And for the you know, people who do medical research that might be listening in right now, it's kind of tracking with the way that we've seen changes in informed consent over the decades, where people used to do research just you know, with an assumption that um, the research we're doing is very important for the community, and it doesn't matter so much what this individual might have wanted for themselves. And our understanding of informed consent has changed drastically in recent decades. And um, that's kind of reflected in the way that, well, in our expectations for body donors that we use in our teaching and our research. So the, your organization has a statement of responsibility. And I found that um, interesting uh, and, and almost to the point of, of novel with different uh, organizations. Can you tell me how the American Association for Anatomy uh, came up with or decided to have a statement of responsibility? Well, yes, thank you. Um, in the special issue that you mentioned, um, the changing face of anatomy, which is the special issue of the anatomical record, that special issue included a number of different papers that evaluated the history of the field of anatomy, raising issues of inequality and um, um, unfair practices that happened in the past. One of those papers, the lead author on that was Rick Sumner, who's our past president, was a specific 
evaluation of the history of racism in the American Association for Anatomy. Based on the disturbing findings that came out of that historical review, we believed the, the board of the American Association for Anatomy, we knew that it was important for us to be transparent about our history. We have to be able to accept ability for the sequelae, the results of the actions of our organization, the actions of our members. And so the statement of responsibility for our history of racism explicitly acknowledges the role that our organization played. But then that statement also includes a commitment to improving the situation going forward in the future. We didn't only intend it to be a statement of things we've done wrong in the past. We want to be honest about the things that we as an organization have done poorly in the past. But then we also want to make a commitment, both financial and um, personnel commitments, to improving, I can't say reversing, but to addressing some of the um, some of the problems that have been noted in some of the papers in the special issue. So this seems like an approach that is more comprehensive than some organizations. Um, I'm thinking of, of, of some organizations, and I, I won't name names, but uh, we'll remove the names of someone who in the past was was a racist without commenting upon the history, right? Uh, this trying to change things going forward, which I think we could all agree um, is, is appropriate and desired, but very little um, focus or attention on what what bad things have happened in the past. Here, your organization seems to have done both, both looking backwards and explaining the history, but yet moving forward. Am I understanding this correctly? You are, and I think that's a challenging issue that a lot of organizations, not just scientific associations, but a lot of other types of institutions face is when we see a clear fact, a clear example of something that we would consider to be unethical today. Do we erase it? Do we ignore it? Do we um, pretend that it never happened? Um, one of the authors of the paper that I mentioned in the special issue, The Changing Faces of Anatomy, Dr. Sabina Hildebrandt, often in her papers makes the point that we can use acknowledgement of those past unethical actions as a teaching moment for our students today. And, and I take that to heart and I think that the American Association for Anatomy feels very strongly that we don't want to ignore the things that we've done poorly in the past, that we do have to acknowledge where mistakes were made in retrospect, really egregious mistakes. And only then can we avoid making similar mistakes in the future. And only then can we be sure to take actions that directly address those mistakes. So let's talk about, because you touched upon expanding the, the, the organization 
uh, to be more more diverse or or inclusive. And can you give me some examples of how your organization is doing that? We have a number of different programs that are intended to um, promote the participation of underrepresented groups in our association. The American Association for Anatomy is, is committed to uh, diversity and inclusion, and I'm interested in how you go about advancing those goals. The first thing that we did, of course, is developing or initiating a diversity, equity, and inclusion task force. And I think for so many of the listeners and the people in your association probably have gone through a similar, um, a similar phase. But the having a group of people to focus on diversity and equity and inclusion is just the very first step. I think the next big step that we took towards encouraging diversity and inclusion in our community was to make DEI an explicit part of our strategic plan. So in 2017, we adopted our most recent strategic plan and diversity, equity, and inclusion isn't just one particular aspect of the strategy. It permeates every single overarching strategic goal each overarching strategic goal has an aspect that includes promoting diversity and inclusion, not just within our association, but across the society. And so we are committing to this through the structure of our committees and building new leadership, like the future leadership of our association. This is implemented in the programming for annual meetings. There are aspects of diversity or key tactics to support the strategy of increasing diversity and inclusion in our annual meeting presentations in the papers across our journals. Um, we also, this is the goal of diversity and inclusion is woven into our award structure and the way we recognize members for their research and teaching excellence. And all of these tactics then have the long-term strategic goal of increasing the representation of those valuable members at their home institutions and in other associations and in their success with external funding. So our overarching goal is to have a very broad impact even outside the what we can do as a association. And many of your members, I assume, are in academic institutions. And doesn't some of the diversity and inclusion begin with students and getting them interested in the field of anatomy? Absolutely, it does. We have recently, absolutely it does. What you say about a focus on students is this idea of developing a pipeline. And developing that pipeline is incredibly important for most of our members who are anatomy educators, we have a voice in um, influencing future physicians through our anatomy teaching, teaching histology, teaching neuroscience, 
we have an ability to increase a recognition of human biological diversity. So I think awareness of future physician practitioners is um, an important aspect, but then also in encouraging and supporting um, students who potentially will be members of our association. And encouraging that pipeline is one of our major goals. I wanna point out though, that in addition to building the pipeline, there's also a major concern about retention of underrepresented groups, even once they get into faculty positions. I think in so many institutions, academic institutions, organizations, you get underrepresented individuals into a department and they have all of the same effort allocations of everybody else in their department. But in addition, if they are the only one that looks like them, often they are um, tagged at a higher rate to serve on different committees because in order to increase representation on those committees. And this is what I've heard some people call the minority tax. It's this additional effort that's expected of young faculty from underrepresented groups they have an additional level of burden put on them. One of the things that we're trying to do in the American Association for Anatomy um, to kind of combat that level of attrition that's observed is we've recently developed the Anatomy Scholars Program. And this is a pro program um, that takes in a cohort of individuals with a very clear curriculum of professional development and mentorship Mentorship towards publication, mentorship towards building external funding, mentorship towards growing their own, um, you know, professional development. And what this program is trying to do is create a supportive group for people who might otherwise be lost to this um, recognized phenomenon of attrition. And um, the Anatomy Scholars program was a novel and really valuable um, program developed by Dr. Lloydie Jeromaevska, um, who was part of our diversity, equity, and inclusion committee led by Dr. Kim Topp. And with their extraordinary effort, this really important program was able to be funded and um, is already underway. Well, you certainly have a very thoughtful organization and, and approach. Um, for listeners that are interested in, in learning more and, and maybe becoming a member, how would they do that? The American Association for Anatomy has a webpage. It's anatomy.org. And we are actually an incredibly friendly and inclusive group. And we um, recently changed our name from the American Association um, of anatomists to the American or American Association for Anatomy. And the reason behind that name change is specifically because our members represent a very broad group of researchers and educators. And we are open and welcoming of anybody who has any aspect of anatomy in their work, whether it's research or education. 
And so um, we do welcome new members from all different kinds of backgrounds. Um, if anybody is interested in getting more information, again, you can visit that website. It is anatomy.org. And this really doesn't apply to anything, but I have to tell you, you have some fun papers on the, your, uh, your, your website. Uh, I specifically like the one about the uh, discovery of the new crocodile uh, species that likely uh, preyed on, on humans. Um, this is the kind of thing that I do not get in my daily reading uh, that I will now be checking out your website for, because um, this is a, a, an interesting, thoughtful, and, um, and, and really bright organization. So thank you for making those things public. Absolutely. We, um, one of the things that's so much fun about anatomy is that it is an area of study that everybody can connect with. Because no matter what we study in anatomy, whether it's human anatomy or primate anatomy, dog anatomy, crocodile anatomy, dinosaur anatomy, there are aspects of that anatomy that are shared with every one of our readers, every one of your listeners. Well, that, that is fabulous. I'm going to let that be the, uh, the, the last uh, word and encourage listeners of this podcast to, uh, to check out uh, anatomy.org. Um, my guest today has been Valerie Burke de Leon, and thank you very much for being a guest on Sound Practice. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. My thanks to Dr. Valerie de Leon for her time and informative input. She and her colleagues at the American Association of Anatomy are doing thoughtful work. My thanks also to the American Association for Physician Leadership for making this podcast possible. Please join me next time on Sound Practice. We release a new episode every other Wednesday. You've been listening to Sound Practice, the business podcast for physicians and healthcare leaders. Check out the show notes for this episode at soundpracticepodcast.com. If you have any suggestions for future episodes, we'd love to hear them. Email us at info at soundpracticepodcast.com. Subscribe to Sound Practice wherever you listen to podcasts so you can automatically receive our episodes. And please rate us and comment on the podcast in iTunes and Google Play. Sound Practice is presented and produced by the team at American Association for Physician Leadership. We are the world's premier organization for all aspects of physician leadership in every sector of healthcare. Learn more at physicianleaders.org. Red Bull Kapow.